let us pray for illumination. O Lord, we wait for you, and in your word we trust. By the power of your spirit, set our hearts and minds on the source of life and peace, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Our reading this morning is from the book of Mark, chapter 11, the first 11 verses. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mountain of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many other people spread their cloaks on the road, and other people spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord. Earlier this week, I told Paul III, I said, four or five people, several people have just told me rave reviews of how things went last week. Why do you think that is? He said, well, for one thing, I got Sarah to read the scripture. <laughs> so thank you. Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Save now. That's not an ad for Coles or Belks or Macy's. That, that is what the people were shouting to Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, a whole lot of people, a lot of people seem to think that Hosanna means something like yay or hallelujah or some ancient version of attaboy, way to go, you tell them. Or maybe even all right, all right, all right. <laughs> But the Hebrew translates as, save now. Remember that Passover was and still is a major Jewish celebration. It commemorates how God saved the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt. In the Old Testament, you can read detailed directions of how that event was to be commemorated. Because the city of Jerusalem was so crowded with people who had come in for this celebration, there were not, there wasn't just one parade, there were two parades. One was the one that Sarah read to us about from Mark's Gospel. 
with Jesus riding a donkey and people shouting, Hosanna, save us, save now. The other parade, the other parade was led by Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, coming into Jerusalem with power and authority to keep things peaceful and the mighty Roman army to back up what he said. It was, it was like Jesus rode in on a bicycle or in a pickup and Pontius Pilate rode in on a Humvee or maybe a tank. Very different parades. Jesus rode into town with love and forgiveness and Pilate, Pilate rode into town with fear and violence. Who knew what might happen? Now, do you ever, you ever go to the movies and find that you've arrived kind of halfway through the movie? Nowadays, the ticket taker at the movies will generally not let you in halfway through. But in 1970 or so, I was still in college, you could just, you got there, got your ticket, and you could walk right on in. So some of my college buddies and I, we, we came into the movie Catch-22 halfway through. We watched the second half, and then we waited through a couple of commercials and saw the first half. Here's the problem. The first half of Catch-22 has lots of funny scenes, and so the audience was laughing and laughing. But my buddies and I, we weren't laughing. You see, we knew how that movie ended. We knew that there was a horrible scene coming up. We knew that all that humor is just to set us up for the shock of a grisly graphic scene toward the end of the movie. Well, like my friends and I who saw the end of the movie first, you and I, we, we know how Holy Week will end with Jesus praying, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. While his disciples who get asked to pray with him fell asleep. We know that, that we know that Judas will betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. We know that Jesus will go through torture, humiliation, and a fixed trial to die on a lonely cross between two thieves. If you think about almost any historical event, most of us, most of us believe that we would have acted better. We would have made better decisions than any historical figure who ever messed up. Unlike Pontius Pilate, we just know we wouldn't have sent Jesus to the cross. Barabbas, maybe. Unlike the disciples, we are sure that we would not, we would not have run away in fear or, like Peter, deny him three times. And especially, unlike Judas, we are certain that we could not have walked all those dusty roads with Jesus, watching him performing miracles, healing people, hearing him preach and teach, sharing the Last Supper with him, and all of that. We just know that we could not have done all that and made the choice that Judas made to betray Jesus for money, for 30 pieces of silver. And yet, 
this man who had committed no crime, whose life was free from sin, whose life is the model for how we are to live, this man Jesus, the Son of God, died for you and me. For those times, well, you know, I just happen to have about 30 pieces of silver with me. So we know that we wouldn't have taken money for Jesus having died for us for those times that, well, let's say, those times we stayed silent when we had a chance to speak up against something we know to be wrong. We better put in a couple of pieces of silver for that. Those times when we wasted our chance to forgive somebody as we've been forgiven. Those times when we've responded in anger when we could have, we could have chosen kindness. Those times when we've sought our own advantage, neglecting the rights or the needs of other people. Those times we've repeated juicy and hurtful gossip that we weren't even sure was true. It was just a good story. Those times we burned with envy over somebody else's possessions or accomplishments. Those times we've given lip service to sympathy. Later saying, you know, they probably deserved it. Those times we've neglected to speak an encouraging word to someone we, we knew they were down, but we didn't say anything. Those times we have held high standards for other people by letting ourselves off the hook pretty easily. Those times we've condemned other people for things we know that we have done ourselves. Those times when we have taken what was not ours. Those times when we have acted as though those Ten Commandments apply to everybody else, but not to us. All those times for you and for me. Well, maybe we would not have betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, but you know good and well we would have betrayed him for something. And we still do. Well, now, there's this fellow named Steven Pinker. He's a, he's a Harvard psychologist who's written a book about writing. Well, he's written a bunch of books, but one about writing I've been reading recently, The Sense of Style, The Thinking Person's Guide to Writing for the 21st Century. He describes part of the problem of writing in a chapter he calls The Problem of Knowledge. What he suggests is that a lot of people don't write well because once you know something, it's very hard to see things from the point of view of the person who doesn't know it. You know, I always say on these, uh, I don't know whether they do it really in court, but they always do it on, on uh, the TV court shows, and they'll say, the jury will ignore the last remark. Well, how are you going to ignore it? You already heard it. You know you're going to remember. It's like under, putting a highlighter on it, you know? 
And a bunch of us have had teachers along the way. They knew that math, they knew that science, they knew that writing, whatever the subject was, they knew it, but they didn't have a clue about how to tell you who didn't know it yet. They could not remember what it was like to be a novice, a beginner in that field. The gifted teachers can and can do that. On our recent family trip to a, a wedding down in Georgia, we stayed in a town called Milledgeville. It reminded me of going to a Presbyterian Youth Council meeting there years ago when I was in high school. I was living about 30 miles away in Macon. Well, we were given some, what I found to be confusing directions by a very smart young lady who told us as part of the directions to make a turn one block before you get to such and such school. You see, to understand her directions, you already had to know that neighborhood. Well, we all have trouble understanding the viewpoint of people who don't know what we know. The people who were parading with Jesus on Palm Sunday, they did not know what was coming on Good Friday. According to Mark's gospel, not once, not twice, but three times, Jesus had told his disciples that he was going to Jerusalem where he would suffer and be killed and then rise again. But in that Palm Sunday parade, they still, they couldn't see what was coming on Good Friday. They did not expect the crowd to turn on Jesus and shout, crucify him, crucify him. Like the people parading with Jesus who sang his praises on Palm Sunday and a few days later called for his crucifixion, every day, you and I, we face choices. Live in fear or live in faith. Hold on to our hurts and grudges or forgive as we have been forgiven. Do what we know to be right or talk ourselves into doing what we know to be wrong. Seek success by the world's standards of money, power, fame, possessions or live by the standards of the one who said, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And when asked the greatest commandment of all, you remember Jesus said, you shall love the God, Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In short, we can try to make it all by ourselves alone. Or we can pray to God, Hosanna, save us, save now. Thanks be to God. As you go through this week, and your conscience says, uh-oh, you're about to do something wrong. Don't make it one of those pieces of silver. When you're about to have an unkind thought about somebody, don't make that one of those pieces of silver. Now may the grace of Christ surround you, the love of God uphold you, and the Holy Spirit spark in you an unquenchable fire as you wait and work for the kingdom to come. Amen.